Are you ready to take your leadership and your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate, evolve, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world. And you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations to identify the trends that will most likely disrupt their business and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organizations. I'm also an adjunct faculty member in universities in the U.S. and Germany. I am delighted that today on our show is Mike Davis. Mike has been the president of Junior Achievement of Central Ohio for eight years. He was recognized by Columbus CEO Magazine in 2011 as the CEO of the year for his sector. He works with business, education, government, and community leaders to transform how they prepare young people for success in their career and their lives. So this Voice America series, my goal is as we all navigate the pace of change that at some points feels entirely crushing, we need to continue to update how we think about and how we actually lead. So my goal is to create a show that helps each of us touch in weekly and get ideas about the range of topics leaders are facing. Some of these will be immediate for you, some you will have already dealt with, and hopefully some of them you'll never have to deal with, like a smear campaign. But as leaders, we need to be aware of the risks as well as the opportunities and, and be prepared to deal with them. One of our big issues right now is workforce and depending on where you reside in the world, that looks a bit different to you. We're doing a series right now ha having focused on workforce from different dimensions and today I am delighted that Mike will talk about workforce through his work. So workforce development starting in kindergarten and we've talked also to people about workforce extending through the end of our lives. So for young people now walking around on the planet, they may live to be well over 100. Some of them may be working into their 90s. So this idea of workforce development, whoever we prepare for work starting as a seven or eight-year-old in kindergarten through a reasonable productive work life of 90, for people like me that seems terrifying, but um, the idea of being a perpetual learner seems obvious when we're going to work for that period of time. So Mike's work right now focuses on work with uh, people K through 12, helping prepare young people to enter the workforce ready to be productive and successful contributors. And he'll share 
his perspective on what we're doing here in Central Ohio, but as a president of Junior Achievement, this is an international organization, and he can also take the perspective of what's happening globally in the area of workforce development. And what is consistent is it requires all sectors aligning around the common mission of preparing everyone to contribute and lead productive and fulfilling lives that also lead, build thriving communities and thriving enterprises. So, Mike, welcome. Thank you, Maureen. Great to be here. Delighted that you're here. So we have three segments. We're going to talk in the first segment, framing the problem. Second segment, who addresses it and how. And third segment, aligning the stakeholders. So we'll see if I can actually stick to the script. We'll give it a shot. (laughs) So the first segment, framing the problem, the employer challenges, the family challenges, the challenge of the individual contributor growing up and trying to get a productive job. Can you give us a little bit of idea of that? What's going on? Sure. There's primarily a disconnect between the demand side of employers and the workforce to the supply side of young people as we're getting them ready for the workforce. Um, So often when we talk to business leaders, and for us, everything is a business, faith, for-profit, not-for-profit, government, Everything is a business. We need clients. We need to drive revenue. We need to hire people. So for us, looking at everything as a business, when we talk to those business leaders, folks who run organizations, they typically aren't engaged with developing the pipeline that gives them the skill sets that they need. Mm -hmm. So when we talk to them about, are you engaged in elementary, middle, and high school to prepare young people for the skill sets that you need? We don't find that they, and they share with us that they don't do that work. So there is a disconnect between getting young people ready and letting them see, witnessing, experiencing, Mm -hmm. practicing the skills they need with what the business leaders want both today and to your point about driving organizations to the future, how do they deal with the flexibilities and paradox that that take place in their own life, in their own leading? Mm -hmm. So we look at this both as a working to transform how adults look at this system and process, as well as how do we help young people kind of develop the skill sets and practice those skill sets to be successful in their lives and careers. So you have some good data and also some brilliant stories about this. So let's start with the data. You bet. So as we look at this, part of this is that we're losing young people in the United States, and this may be the true around the world, between fifth and ninth grade where young people don't feel connected to their education system. This is Gallup poll data, not junior achievement Mm -hmm. data. But Gallup shares that when they look at what percentage of young people are engaged in their own education, and they have the qualifiers of what engaged means. It means they think it's relevant to their life. They find it energizing and motivational, and and they think it's important to them. 76% of of elementary school students feel that they're engaged in their own education, it's important to them. But that number drops to 61% in middle school, mm-hmm. and it drops to a pretty astonishing 44% of high school students feel engaged in their own education. So while we would want this to be the inverse of that, where mm-hmm. students are more engaged in their education because they feel it's more relevant to their life as they go through their education mm-hmm. system, we're finding that's been flipped. 
And so that's why we're working with business leaders and education leaders and parents about addressing that. So working with business leaders and parents. And so can you give us some examples of what you do? Because it is troubling that as I get closer to graduation, more than half of our kids are disengaged. And the dropout rates in some urban areas are about 50%, right? Right. The dropout rates are are a a challenge, but it's also the kids not thinking it's important to them. And so part of what we do is, again, it's it's an adult and a youth issue. As adults, most of us, as we've talked to people, 90 plus percent of the people could not share that they understood the job they have now existed when they were 15 years old. So when we think about the 15-year-old self, our 15-year-old selves, most of us did not know the job we have now existed. And in many of our cases, it didn't exist. Exactly. But as adults, we still ask kids one question about their career, and that's, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. So we ask them a question that's irrelevant to our own life, much less their life, and we put pressure on them. So what we want people to do, both adults and and the community and the systems, is talk to kids about what their interests are and what their skills Mm -hmm. are and what they value, because they can develop those things throughout their lives. They can focus on that. So in elementary and middle school, we talk to kids about that. We ask them to actively write down what their interests, skills, and values are. Not what jobs they want, because mm-hmm. jobs shift and interests shift. But if they look at those interests, skills, and values, they can cultivate that. They can build networks. They can start to work with people to build those skill sets and build that mindset of how do we drive success for that? How do we practice and experience that as we go? So one of the stories that I love that you tell is the CSI man. Yes. So share that with our listeners. Yeah, so we we were working with uh, some students in a classroom, and we talked about this interest in skills and values. And and we said, you know, what are your interests and skills? And one of the young men said, you know, I want to be CSI Miami. And for those (laughs) of you who aren't familiar with that, it's a television show in the United States where they deal with forensic um, issues and crime scenes and un- try to kind of recreate what happened in the scene. And we, I, and I said, well, great, is, is wanting to be CSI Miami, this role of a forensic specialist, mm-hmm. is that an interest or a skill or a value? And this sixth grader said, well, um, is, uh, it's an interest. And I said, yes, and he was all proud. And I said, well, why do you want to be CSI Miami? And he said, because they can figure out where the person was when they were killed. They know when they were. They know where they were. They can, it's like they were there. And I said, well, that's great. I said, how do you like math and science? And he said, man, I hate math and science. Um, and you clearly have to have math and science skills to be a forensic specialist. And so I asked the class, well, is that a problem? And one of the young men said, well, you've got to know math. And the, the student that said that said, why do I have to know math? And he said, well, you have to know what angle the blood hit the wall so you know where the body was. And, and the, guy, the young man looked kind of upset about it. And I said, well, why does he need to know science? And a young woman sitting beside him said, you've got to know science because you have to know how long the blood was on the wall to know when he was killed. And this young man looked like we had stolen something from him. He was very upset. And I said, man, you're in sixth grade. 
you can still be CSI Miami. You just have to look at math and science differently. And he came up to me after the session was over, and he said, talk to me about that. And I just said, go share with your math and science teachers what kinds of things you're interested in so that they can work with you differently. Because often we don't get a chance in our education system to have with 28 or 30 kids in a classroom to go through and talk to every kid about what interests them and what mm -hmm. excites them. So again, we need to teach young people to advocate for their interests and skills so that then they can navigate their lives instead of just kind of wandering through based on caricatures of what they think jobs are like. Okay, so I'm going to restate some of what I've heard. So kids, and you, actually, let me ask it this way. You work with a broad range of children. Yes, we work with urban, suburban, rural, faith-based, charter schools, private schools. We work with all those types of, of schools around the region. And economic? Yes, we work from the poorest um, schools with the lowest socioeconomic to the highest suburban and private schools that have um, dynamic success in their economic life. And the issues we find while they're different in the schools and the students are somewhat different, the lack of having a sophisticated understanding of finances and practicing the skill sets to be successful in their career, mm -hmm. personal interaction, how do we work together as a team, and then how can I go off and work by myself. Very consistently we find that we don't develop young people in our culture effectively that way, regardless of the socioeconomic system that they live in. So one of the things JA does then is you bring kids together from different groups. Mm -hmm. They learn to work together. Can you tell us a little bit about the BizTown program? You bet. JAA BizTown is a fifth grade program that's designed where young people actually are CEOs and CFOs and employees in 18 businesses. And it's about a six week long program where we provide curriculum for teachers um, to deliver the content so these young people uh, get a classified ad, they apply for jobs, they interview, and then they get put together as a team. And they actually work as a team to write radio ads and develop their expenses and their budget. And then they come together with us um, on site um, on, in one day and they take their businesses take a loan out at the bank. They pay payroll twice. They pay utility expenses. And then their job is, they after they take the loan out in the morning, to run the day, pay all the expenses, take breaks and go buy things in the community. And then did their business make a profit at the end of the day? So it's an example of all of our programs are very experiential. We don't just stand and talk at kids and introduce concepts. We give them a practical application of how they can apply what they're learning to how life really works. So it links that schoolwork to how life really happens. And what mm -hmm. we find in our evaluation afterwards are kids are much more engaged in their education months after the programs are done, according to their teachers. So this is one antidote to the engagement issue. Right. It's when as we're losing those kids in it through elementary, middle, and high that Gallup's finding, what we're focused on is connecting what kids' interests and skills and values are so that then they can pick classes, they can do extracurricular activities, and they can meet and work with mentors and role models in the communities based on those. So then they're aligning that to draw kind of flip that that trajectory 
trajectory to become more engaged in their education and more engaged in their work in the community as they get older and closer to their careers. And then you also have some data for how they do in their careers. Yes. Um, so the junior achievement population in the U.S., the general population is around 52% free and reduced lunch. The junior achievement populations is about are about 54% free and reduced lunch. So we're a, a little more low income than the general population in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And with minority students, about 49.9% of the population is a minority students. Mm-hmm. But junior achievements population is 55.5% minority students. That being said, um, junior achievement alumni earn 20% more than the general population. They have higher high school graduation rates. They have 30% higher college graduation rates. They have 67% higher advanced degree graduation rates. Another key piece is that there's more career satisfaction. The general population, 48% of our adults say they're satisfied with their careers. But 88% of junior achievement alum are satisfied with their careers. So not only do they make more money, they're more satisfied with their careers, and they're also more entrepreneurial, and they're more effective in managing their own money. So tying this back then to workforce development, and then we'll go to a break, we have challenges getting kids to graduate, getting them to be prepared for work. JA is one program, not the only, right. but it, it offers... a set of solutions cross-sector that keeps kids more engaged, teaches them how, first they start to learn who am I and what can I do, and that that will change over my career, gets me more engaged in my education, and I will, because of that increased engagement and what I've learned, including how to work together, I am likely to stay in school, be more focused, graduate closer to job ready, and I'll carry those habits, skills through my career and likely be more successful and more productive, all from early childhood programs. Exactly, because it's just like music and language and anything else. The earlier we start cultivating talent and skill and young people thinking about Mm -hmm. and practicing something, the more successful they're going to be through their lives. And that's really what we focus on. We want to engage them early and often so that they get to practice those skills and enhance that mindset of how they're approaching things and understand the choices and consequences they make in their lives. The other thing you said that I want to really highlight is this is happening in underrepresented communities as well as wealthy communities, and all kids seem to benefit from this. So especially in our communities that are struggling, especially economically underrepresented, this is an an important antidote to some of the challenges that kids, by virtue of what block they were born on on in the community, really helps give a path out. Right, because we all need models for success. If Mm -hmm. we're a CEO and want to do more effective work in our organization, we as CEOs need to evolve how we work. And we need to work with people who can model Mm -hmm. how -hmm. we evolve our work. Well, certainly young people are no different than that. So these types of programs, along with many organizations whom we partner with, other nonprofits, businesses, and government, we want the young people to see those pathways, to be able to talk to those people and ask them questions. And that modeling is a key part of the access to a path 
to success in managing their lives and careers. Fabulous. Thank you. We'll be right back. This is Maureen Metcalf and Mike Davis, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Mike is the president of Junior Achievement in Central Ohio. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-294. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. Drive and thrive and have a great week. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. We are joined by Mike Davis, the president of Junior Achievement in Central Ohio. And during the first segment, we framed a bit of the challenges that that different communities around the world are, are facing and what Junior Achievement does. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about how and, again, connect to the global challenges because what we're seeing here in central ohio is very different than we would be seeing if we were in greece or china or one of the african countries right i was at a global conference for junior achievement recently in atlanta 
And what we found was consistently throughout the world, in the United States and Northern and South America and Asia, literally everywhere, Europe, around the world, youth workforce development is the number one issue. The unemployment around the world is far more crippling in other areas of the world than it is in the United Mm -hmm. States. So it's a major issue for us locally, regionally, nationally, and globally. And we're working with partners to determine how do we get and address these issues. Some people feel it's overwhelming sometimes because they're Mm -hmm. trying to navigate education systems, parenting dynamics, socioeconomic dynamics, hunger, all those Mm -hmm. issues. But at the end of the day, we need to make sure we show young people that there's hope and a path. And so letting them practice skills and seeing that model is a key part of what Junior Achievement does. To your point, Maureen, about the how, we work with volunteers to come in um, and spend time with young people. So we also Mm -hmm. blend technology into that. So young people have access and can engage information on their computers, on their phones. And at the end of the day, the real power often is the chance to look at an adult and have a conversation and ask them questions and see how they model that and ask them questions that confuse them or Mm -hmm. they're just not aware of. So that integrating in kind of the adult world with technology, with proven results and proven programs that continue to evolve is Mm -hmm. kind of at the hub of what we, Junior Mm -hmm. Achievement, but also our colleagues and our peers that are doing this work from the government Mm -hmm. and side is the problem-based learning and experiential activities are the key to letting young people understand there is a path to change their lives. So you told me a story at one point about a young girl who didn't want to be an executive in BizTown. So, So for our listeners, one of the things I think we still face is data on difference between girls and boys and how they learn and roles they step into. So I love that JA is also helping position all kids to learn that they can. Yes, and and we often have, and again, this is a program with with 11 and 12-year-old students, and we literally have had young men say, as the the men, young men and women are running these 18 businesses during the day, and we have adult volunteers who help shepherd them, but the young people are doing the work, we literally have had young men say, well, you shouldn't do that, that's a man's job. And in one case that occurred and the adult who was in the room was a female CEO of a company. (laughs) And she made a beeline to that young man (laughs) and she shared with him that she has a lot of men working for her um, in her business and that there are no men and women jobs anymore. And the the one situation that you referenced was this 12-year-old girl who you apply for the jobs you want in BizTown. And she had not applied. She applied to be an employee in a company. And at the end of the day, she came back and asked if we had a summer camp so she could come back and participate in the program again. And the staff said, yeah, we'd love to have you back. And she said, why do you want to come back? And the young woman said, I want to be the CEO next time. And our staff person smiled and said, well, why do you want to be the CEO? And this young young woman shared that she thought only the A students would get the job, be selected Mm -hmm. into the CEO and CFO jobs, and that she didn't think she would get that kind of job. 
And when the staff person said, well, why do you want to try that? Why do you want to do that now? And she said, my CEO didn't listen to me. She only did what she thought was best. She didn't listen to our team. And our teammates, our part, mm-hmm. our, our employees had really good ideas that she didn't listen to. And we didn't make a profit today. And I think we would have made a profit if she would have listened to the other employees. And so the thing that struck me about that is here you have a 12-year-old girl who had, Mm. first of all, self-selected that she couldn't lead because she was not an A student. And we often find business leaders and people successful in business are very successful when they weren't the A students. We value education. It's very important. But it's not the only indicator of success. And so... A, she had self-selected, and in four and a half hours of running a real-world experience, she knew she could lead more effectively than others. And and the other thing is that she could be that CEO. She could mm-hmm. go drive that work. And so it's really an empowering thing to see these young people, male, female, whatever learning style. Mm-hmm. The other power of this is they see the value of working with different personalities. Everybody's not the outgoing socializing person. Everybody's mm-hmm. not the introverted data person. Everyone's not kind of mixes of those. And so what we need to do is give young people experiences to participate and practice that so they see the value in different styles and different personalities. I love that you're doing that because I work obviously with older leaders who haven't gone through these programs and they're still coming in with those assumptions. I can't because, and many of us have that inner dialogue of whatever the reason is we can't be successful, and they often haven't learned to value equally different styles. Uh, I was at a conference this week, and, and the presenter asked, what makes a good leader? And I heard things like self-confidence and charisma. That's awfully limiting because we've seen brilliant leaders who are appropriately confident but not overconfident who aren't necessarily charismatic and our research says humility is a whole lot more important than self-confidence so helping kids build those skills early gives them a lifetime to contribute and be rewarded for appropriate behavior Right, and, and it, part of it's confidence, but it's not personality style. I mean, we see that in some of the largest organizations in the world today. The leaders of the culture-changing businesses mm-hmm. are often not the charismatic person. They're the person that came up with the great idea to mm-hmm. change technology or to change systems or to change how we transport mm-hmm. ourselves from place mm-hmm. to place. And so part of that, again, is the practice and experience and letting young people spend time together so that they do recognize and celebrate and value the differences and how they need other people with other skill sets to help them be successful, not only to learn how to maybe do that better, but take advantage of the skills and competencies from the team rather than one or two styles or traits. Beautiful. So let's shift a little bit. So BizTown is only possible, or JA is only possible, because of the collaboration with businesses, faith communities, nonprofits, government, school districts. It's a broad group that supports you. How do you build that coalition? Because it's only through you go into schools to teach. The school district 
helps provide buildings. This is a deep collaboration. It's not a surface washing of we all love JA. Right. And uh, some key components of that are the value proposition for each sector. So as we, as we work with the different leaders in the different sectors, part of this is an understanding of how we all have to change our work and our approach as we work to connect these, these career paths to young people. Um, so educators have incredible pressures on them to hit the mark for what the measurements are for success around education. Mm-hmm. So English, language arts, math, social studies, they have metrics that they have to hit. What we hear from business folks are some of those metrics don't address what they need from their employees. So they need interpersonal skills. They need personal communication styles. They need things that are the soft skills as well as the hard skills. Mm -hmm. But our education systems typically measure, track, and prioritize the hard skill portion of that. So as we work with this, part of this is how do we integrate the attention spans, the jargon, the language of these different sectors to focus on what are the key areas of success for both the young people and the business leaders and the business associates as we get them into their careers. And so we do have to take time with education, business, government, parent leaders to say, let's focus on success of the child. And we all have to continue to work to look beyond our own efforts and our own sectors. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's, it takes time, it takes focus, and it takes effort spending time together to build that measure of what success looks like and then how we can each support the activities that will produce that success for our young people and candidly our businesses as well. So as the president, what do you spend most of your time doing? Other than fundraising. Well, uh, fundraising is a piece, but that's really the fuel for the rocket. The Mm -hmm. rocket itself is the collaboration and the alignment of what success is. So the work, the focal point for me and my role, and I think leaders' role, is to work with other leaders in the the community from those other sectors Mm -hmm. to get clarity on how we all need to do this differently. Because the bottom line is it's not working today. Mm -hmm. We do not get business leaders, the employment community, again, and government, business, faith, all the different sectors, we're not getting what we need at the level that we need it. Mm -hmm. It's too expensive to identify people, onboard them, retain them, train them. Mm -hmm. It's just... It's just inordinately expensive because we're not doing the work upstream to get them ready. Mm-hmm. So as I spend my time, it's about working with those leaders and their teams and our team to talk about how do we link these efforts. The fundraising, the volunteer engagement, because we need volunteers and we need money to fuel that rocket. But we've got to have an organized, systemic planned approach within integrating the sectors to get where we want to go and have success as a community. And I assume that built into that integrated approach is an ongoing refresh, because just about as you get it done, 
the world changes, which is like every day. Yeah, and it's uh, the technology changes, the approach changes, the industries change. So as you look at things, everything is evolving so quickly that that's a key part of this too, of we refresh our programs every couple of years and stagger them so that they're refreshed. We bring technology. We let the local communities, both in the United States and globally with Junior Achievement, make sure that we're tapped into the pipeline of communication so that we're hearing what are the best practices, what's changing and why. So in the past, we would work with checkbooks and how checkbooks work. Well, now we focus on electronic banking because young people today probably are never going to see a check in their lives. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're paying for things on their phone. So again, all these things continue to evolve. And that's another reason we have to be plugged into each other as businesses and organizations and individuals to make sure we continue to evolve the work and each of us change in how we approach the, the, the trajectory of what we do as leaders as well. Beautiful. Thank you. We will be right back with Mike Davis after break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com again that's jeff spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 
on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. Drive and thrive and have a great week. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You are joining your host, Maureen Metcalf, and Mike Davis, the president of Junior Achievement in Central Ohio. We're talking about how Junior Achievement helps us address some of the challenges with workforce development starting as early as kindergarten. So what are their K through 12 programs to address the engagement issue, help kids understand their strengths and their interests so they can get an education to move toward jobs that will allow them to be successful over the course of their careers. So let's talk about what does success look like? Absolutely. And so some of the success metrics we talked about before in the level of income, the educational attainment and those kinds of pieces. But the practical examples of success we find are the most telling. So apprenticeships, internships in high school, letting young people practice the careers they think they may be interested in. And there's a great example locally where some of our high school students that work with Junior Achievement got an apprenticeship working for a large clothing company in the U.S. and internationally. And as part of their internship, they went to work in the logistics area. So how does the supply chain work? How do we take the warehouse and connect it to delivering the product out in the community and out Mm -hmm. in the world? And as they did that, they came in as high school students. The employers worked with us and partnered with us to design something where these young people could have a constructive role. Um, Mm -hmm. And they came in and worked for a semester with this business. And at the end of that business, they hired these two young women, these two women in this case, to work for their company over the summer. One stayed there as an employee and continues to work there today. The other changed her major that she was in when she was starting college to logistics. And now she's in her finishing her first year of college focused on logistics because she thought of logistics as just moving boxes. She didn't understand the depth and the complexities and all the careers that are available in logistics in a merchandise retail business, she just thought it was the people behind the counter at the store and the managers in the store. Mm-hmm. And now her her perspective on her career for her, both of them, completely changed. One going to college, one not going to college. But they mm-hmm. both had great opportunities within that same business. And that's an important distinction that... All kids aren't going to go to college and all kids are not going to go to college. We have to build systems that can drive success regardless of what path those kids choose. Our community only stays healthy by having a a range of people moving in through the pipeline because a lot of the work doesn't require college education. Right, and there are great paths of, you know, 30 to 40 percent of our population has a college degree. So 60 to 70 percent, depending on the groups, mm-hmm. are have great lives and, and have important roles and careers that mm-hmm. aren't, don't require college. But it's also part of our cultural change. And, and in the United States in the 60s and 70s, we kind of disproportionately focused on all kids should go to college. But as we work with superintendents and education leaders, they tell us we know there's a significant number of our students who college isn't the right thing. It may not, they may not be financially possible. It may not be what they need to be in their careers. 
And the trades are a great example. I mean, young people can go in and work with the trades and have a guaranteed job, have their training paid for. And by the time they go from 18 to 22 years old, they've been working for four years and they're making 50 to $60,000 a year. They've got money in the bank. They have no debt. And they have a great life, and often their their colleagues are getting out of college without a job. They have a major, but they might not be able to find a job linked to their major. So again, education's great and important as a tool, mm-hmm. helping you achieve your objectives. But part of this is how are we working across the interest levels and the skill sets of the young people and the employers for certification in those types of programs as well. Because as we mm-hmm. look at the changing workplace as we go forward, some of the foundational skills are the ability to continue to re-educate myself. Even in the space of technology, often we're finding that two-year degrees or the certificate or the badging system, I can learn to be a .NET developer in a much shorter period of time and understanding that .NET isn't something I'm going to do for 50 years, but that I'll get the next certificate and continue to build on that. And that's almost like the new version of the trades. I can be out and productive really quickly and all the full range is required. And that's what CEOs tell us and chief information officers and those folks. Many of them don't even look at the college degrees in that respect. They look at what certifications they have. Do they have the right certifications for what we need? And to your point, it's technology. It's welding. It's all these different activities and opportunities for kids to plug in. Because the other piece that's important to realize, I think, is that we often look at things at one level of depth. So if Mm -hmm. a kid's good at math, we say you're going to be an engineer or an accountant. But the reality is they can run any business. If they know math, they can understand how businesses work. And they Mm -hmm. can be the CEO or whatever role in an entertainment business or a sports business or a government business. So we need to make sure that we look and see when we talk about success that we ask young people more than one depth of level of questions about what are your interests and what are you good at. Because if they're good at math, keep asking them, or what else are your interests? If they're good at talking to people and want to be involved in communicating with people, sales, you know, whatever pathway they want to do, let's make sure we understand more than one level of their skill set and their interests so we can help them navigate that path. Because back to your question on what success looks like, it's about young people being able to manage the complexities of their life. It's not attaining a job when they're 42 years old because they don't know what jobs are going to be there when they're 42 years old. Success for us is building an ecosystem around young people so that they can understand that there are complexities, there are going to be failures. What is the risk or risk aversion that I personally want to take as well as my business and let us practice that so that we're not shocked by things that don't go perfectly, or we don't caricaturize somebody's in a position because their life went perfectly. Let's inquire about what went wrong. How did you overcome the obstacles? When you failed, how did you overcome it? Those are the more sophisticated levels of conversation and success so that young people and adults, to your point earlier about this, the leaders that you currently work with, 
that they can feel like this is not unusual that this didn't work. Let me figure out how I can make something positive out of this and keep going. You tell the story about if you're a child practicing sports, for many people, that starts before they can even hold the bat. If it's, I'm thinking of t-ball, but whatever it is, they're out practicing with little plastic Mm. things. Right. And yet, we don't have the same level of practice for our jobs. Right. When you look at the the energy and time and money families put into sports, and I love sports. It's an incredibly positive. You learn teamwork. You learn success. You learn success and failure. Sports are a great aspect of our culture. And when you look at how much time and energy and money we put into letting kids practice about what other career options they can engage in or practice in, we don't have that same kind of dynamic. Because the sports figures who are professionals on their first day of work, they have amazing talent and experience in that profession. Most of us don't have that level of experience. And they're doing the same things they did when they were 10 years old. Mm -hmm. They're playing offense, defense, The way they think about it, the way they practice their muscle memory is so much more sophisticated and developed. And that's really what we want to cultivate and build and engage the community in giving young people that experience and feedback and letting them succeed and fail over and over again so that they can build that understanding of how life works and how their skills can develop as they go as well. As we're coming toward the end of the show, let's think about what are our takeaways. Again, we've got a global audience, which mm-hmm. you know, actually in the U.S. with baby boomers retiring and a strong economy, we have very low unemployment. Some of our listeners around the world have very high unemployment. I'm assuming they're different sides of the same coin. Young kids come out of high school or don't even graduate they're discouraged they're not job ready in some cases our kids come out of school or drop out also they're also in many cases not job ready so employers are having to invest a great deal of money and helping kids make the bridge from i went to school and success looked like i got through and i got grades passing grades to now i have to go to work and success looks very different you bet. So the part of the key components of that are in school, we get grade and, we're graded individually. So what did you get on the test? Here's what I got on the test. Here's what I got on the testing components. So it's very individually focused. Part of what challenges young people is once you get out in the world, it's how did your team do? Mm-hmm. You know, what's your department achieving? What did you do? And we do performance evaluations individually as well. But success in business is based on how the team does, mm-hmm. not every individual part. And so how we, um, to your point, how do we address this, Maureen? I think the key piece is that we all have to realize that we have to look at it differently. Every sector, every individual, we have to say, how are we going to engage where we give young people experiences and exposure and practice at something that they have an interest or a skill or as part of what they value? Mm -hmm. We have to reach back more than we are. And so as we reach back, 
as we reach out, how do we work with organizations like Junior Achievement and many others to say, as we engage with young people, let's give them a more realistic version of what it takes to get where we are. Let's talk about when we failed. Let's talk about how challenging it was. Let's talk about how we're different and how we're similar as we spend time with these young people. And that can take place anywhere in the world, and it needs to take place everywhere in the world, so that we model, show, and demonstrate how we achieved what we achieved if we're successful, Mm -hmm. but also how they can partner with others through their education system, through their employees, through the programs that they work in in the cities and the communities in which they live to find what they view as success. Thank you. I want to shift a little bit. You've personally done a lot of work to improve your leadership. Mm-hmm. And so would you talk about that? Because when I listen to you talk about alignment, building collaboration cross-sector, and watching you work, you've built really deep collaborative partners. You took JA, I think you said that your number of students served has increased year over year by about 16%. So that's driving significant success. Most of us in a business can't say good economic times and bad, that we've driven that kind of success. And it is largely, one, you have a great team, but you're the person who helps develop people helps set the path of the organization, helped recruit the board. What are you doing to ensure that you will continue to be the right person to lead the organization as it evolves? Well, and that's been a a significant area of growth and understanding for me. In different roles I've had in my career, it was based on producing results that were very clear. How much money did you raise? What did you achieve? Very tactical roles and tactical measures of success. Over the last year, candidly, one of the things I've looked at in the last couple of years is I had not focused as much on developing myself as I needed to. Mm -hmm. I'd reached a level of success. I thought that was great, but I had not kind of shifted the focus to say, I've got to continue to evolve. So I've got to look and have looked at personal coaching. I've gotten involved with groups that are a group of colleagues who share very candidly their perspectives with people <laughs> on when you when you share your thoughts that they have different opinions and they're not your board they're not your team they'll tell you very directly and so on a personal level i think i personally and and people in leadership positions need to make sure that we're spending time developing ourselves in the same way that we want to we ask other people to develop and understand things differently in how they're approaching their work and their own development thank you i know that you've worked really hard to create this organization and the level of success for our community and i hope that other listeners are hearing as an example not certainly not the only example or the only path but one of the best practices one of the things we talked about is positive deviance so what are the examples of things that work that we can learn from rather than focusing on the problems and what you and your board and your team are doing 
measurably you've got the data to say you're doing really good things and you're expanding and the number of students you're going to serve in the next five years will double what you're doing now. So for anyone who's interested in, if you're a parent, want to learn about junior achievement for your children, if you're a community leader and want to learn more about how do you do this in your community, how would someone learn more? Yeah, you can go to www.ja.org and it will allow you to connect with your local organization. Again, there are junior achievement organizations all over the globe and all over the United States. So you can plug in there and that's a, a way that you can get access and connected to be part of this work. Thank you. So as the show host, I would love to hear from you. Info at Metcalf-Associates.com is my email or on Facebook, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations or on LinkedIn, Maureen Metcalf. I want your feedback because we want to continue to make this show more effective. I don't hear enough from you and I can go off on on tangents that may be of little interest. So as a listener, please let me know what we can do to make this incredibly relevant for you to stay current. And then my last question for you is, what can you take away from what Mike's doing, whether you're working with children or adults, or whether you're a leader or a a soccer coach? How do you take away something about collaboration, about how do we help kids build skills that enable them to be ready to be productive citizens? If you're a young adult, how do you think about what you're excited about rather than and have that draw you to what's your job rather than the title if you selected a job like I did it was what did my parents tell me I should do and we have more choices now so thank you for listening and we wish you a lovely week and we will hopefully you'll join us again next week Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. Drive and thrive and have a great week.